Um, as Ben said, I'm Joel, I'm the youth minister here. Um, and I love my job, I love being here, love being a part of this church family. And in preparation for doing this talk, I thought, wouldn't it be great to ask the youth um, if they had anything they wanted to say to you adults um, before we got started. So we had our youth group on Tuesday night, we meet in there, a fantastic bunch of young people. So I just wrote down a few things that they wanted to say um, to you guys. Um, so here they are, Emily and Joel and Sophie, they say hi. Thank, they asked me to wait till you said hi back as well. Um, Leonie and Oliver wanted me to ask you all how old you all are. Uh, we don't have time to do that, I don't think. Um, Joel wishes you good vibes. So there you are from Joel. Um, Theo asks, what are all of your salaries? Uh, find me at the end and I'll feed that back to Theo. And then finally, I was trying to get something profound out of them and we did manage in the end. Amelie um, says this, People want to hear what you guys have to say, and the youth need wisdom from you. Isn't that lovely? Um, but she did go on to say, but we're often overlooked, so please don't do that. Um, so there we are. That's uh, messages from the youth to you. Um, hope that's helpful for you. Um, but today, we're starting this new series, and we're looking at the Great Commission. So if you'd like to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20, and we can read that together. I'll give you a second to find that. It says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, so we're going to go through this passage and we're going to see what the Lord is saying to us today. The first point is this, the Great Commission is for all believers all the time. Now, at times, this passage has fired me up. It's got me excited. It's made me want to go onto the streets to evangelise, to tell people about the gospel. It's put a fire down in my belly. At other times, if I'm perfectly honest, I've willfully skimmed over it. I've ignored it. I've thought, oh no, that's just not for me right now, Lord. And I've pushed it to the back of my mind. And I think in general, the church may be a little bit guilty of ignoring this passage too. And I think that often we can treat the Great Commission as if it's the Great Suggestion. In reality, it is no such thing. We think it's something that's good, something that should be done, but not something we regularly want to do ourselves. But why do we? Why do we treat it as a suggestion instead of our personal mission that Jesus has given us? Uh, well, John McGinley, who's a vicar, um, he said this at the New One Leadership Conference last year in a talk. He said, we professionalised mission in this country. The result was that we don't equip everyday people to be disciples that will make disciples or to be missionaries they're called to be in every part of society. And we've reduced it to something where people help with the ministry of the church by inviting their friends rather than being those who can lead people to Jesus wherever he has placed them. Quite a challenge. We've professionalised mission 
It's not for professions. It is for all believers all the time. But we don't feel equipped, do we? We don't think we're capable. But the truth is we are. And the point in this series is that we can learn that we are capable and that we can do this. And God has given us all we need to go on and make this commission our own personal mission. And the disciples who were hearing this commission at the time, they certainly didn't take the words of Jesus as a suggestion. They saw it as their duty, their mission and their purpose. And you may think, oh, well, it's all well and good for them. They were with Jesus in person. They knew him. It was easy for them to go on and just crack on with this stuff. But actually, I don't think it was easy for them either. This passage is towards the end of Matthew. The book of Matthew is all about the birth, life, death and resurrection of Jesus. And we're towards the end here. So the disciples had spent time with Jesus. Um, they'd also seen him being beaten and tortured. Then they'd seen him being nailed to the cross. They'd watched him die. They knew that he'd gone into a tomb for three days and they 100% believed that he had died. And because of this, some of them were experiencing some doubt and you can't really blame them, can, can you? When Jesus turns up in front of them and starts walking around and speaking to them. And it says in the passage here, verses 16 to 17, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Even though at this point in time, some of the disciples were experiencing doubt, Jesus commissions them the same as all the others. He doesn't say to them, to those of you who do not doubt, go make disciples and so on. He doesn't say to those of you who feel ready to do so, go make disciples and so on. He says the exact same thing to all of them. If they're experiencing doubt or not. And Jesus is saying it to us, no matter what stage we're at in our Christian journey, you could have been a Christian for one minute or for 10 years. Jesus is commissioning you all the same. And we know that the disciples, they went on to live great lives of obedience, didn't they? They made this commission their own and they took hold of it. It led them to do some crazy things. It got them put in prison and it also led them to sell all the possessions and give it to the poor. It made them do radical things for the gospel. And Jesus, he's asking the same level of obedience from us too. Just as he commissioned his disciples 2,000 years ago, he's commissioning his disciples today. All those who call themselves followers of Jesus, you and me, because the Great Commission is for all believers all the time. Turn to the person next to you and say, all the time. Very good. Okay, next point is this. We need to act. Verses 19 and 20 say this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus lays out his commission in three steps. It's this, to make disciples to baptize people and to teach people the Bible. And what Jesus is saying here is continue the ministry in which I have started. If you take a panoramic look at the life of Jesus, read all the gospels in one go, you'll notice what his ministry consisted of. Often we just read a chapter or a few at a time and we study that. But when you take a step back, you start to get a different perspective 
on Jesus, you start to see a bit more of what he was up to. And I noticed when I did this, that what he did in his ministry, he went from place to place. He told people he was God and he showed them that he was God through miracles. He also taught people revelation about the Jewish law and he taught people through parables about the kingdom of God. And the disciples, they'd watched him do all of this. And in this commission, Jesus is saying, you've seen me do it, so now you go and replicate it in your life. Go and do the ministry which I have started. And that's exactly what they went on to do. And I think it's amazing to think that this commission that was given 2,000 years ago has been passed on from generation to generation to generation. And we're here now. This commission is being given to us and we get to decide what are we going to do with it? Are we going to act on it or are we going to ignore it? Are we going to make it our commission or are we going to treat it as a suggestion? And let me tell you, we need to act on this commission. The church in this nation has been declining for a very long time. There are less and less young people in church than ever before. And it's easy to lose sight of this when you're a part of a growing, thriving church full of lots of young people, but this isn't the state of the church across the nation. And this trend will not change until those who follow Jesus take this as their commission. And you know what? This is what excites me being a part of St. Thomas's. We're not here to just build a mega church in the city centre of Newcastle. We're here to revitalise a region. If you don't know, we're a resource church. That means that we were planted here by the diocese four years ago to create a worshipping community in the city centre that reaches young people, that teaches the gospel, that practices the sacraments together. But also we're here to train and equip and to send out disciples across this region, across the whole of Northumberland. The Diocese of Newcastle is all the way from the quayside down there, all the way up to the Scottish borders where Brogan was lost last night. And then halfway across the country, it's a huge area of the country. And we have been commissioned, not just by Jesus, but also by the Church of England to go and revitalise that area. Now that excites me. That gets me fired up for a few reasons. One, this mission is so much bigger than anything we could do in our own strength. It's going to take a move of God and I'm certainly here to see that. And on top of that, it's a lifelong mission. It's not something that's going to be sorted in five years time. We can look back and think, oh great, let's go somewhere else now. This is going to be a lifelong mission. I want to look back when I'm 75 years old. I want to look at this region and I want to see all the ways that God has transformed this area from what started here at St. Thomas's. I want to see all you guys out in churches across here. I don't want to see you sat here in a few years' time. I want you gone. No, not really, but sort of. It's a lifelong mission. And if it's accomplished, I believe it will see hundreds and thousands of lives changed as they encounter the gospel. And this is the mission we're on together that we get to do, given to us by Jesus ourselves. So this commission is for all believers all the time and we need to act. Next, I want to talk about stories of obedience. We love to tell stories and testimonies of people coming to know Jesus, don't we? We love it when we hear about people walking in off the streets and asking to be saved. We love hearing stories about really well-known Christians who's, and God's doing amazing things for their ministries. We love to share those stories. They encourage us. They're good to hear. And these stories are amazing, 
But in only telling these stories, we accidentally set a standard that we feel as though we have to reach in our own personal evangelism. And we start to think that to be successful in God's eyes in fulfilling this mission, we need to be seeing the same fruit as we hear in all of these stories. And that's not true. Our success in fulfilling this mission is in the, our obedience to God. It's not in our fruitfulness. As we are obedient to God and we step out to take this mission as our own, we will see fruitfulness. And that's a great result of it. But the success is in our obedience. And I think one of the things that puts us off personal evangelism and being on mission is this whole thing is when you step out, um, there's this will he, won't he move sort of moment, isn't it? We don't have the power ourselves to save people or to heal people. I don't possess that power. It's only Jesus through me that, that can do that. And I believe he can, but sometimes he doesn't do it. And when he doesn't, you do look a little bit stupid, don't you? And it's that risk that you might be left looking stupid. And this has happened to me so many times. I was thinking about um, praying for people on the streets, people aren't, don't know Jesus. And I reckon I've prayed for around 50 people that aren't Christians to receive healing before. I've only ever seen one person get healed through that. That's 49 people that have turned around to me and said, no, he's not done it. And I thought, ooh, that's a bit awkward. I felt embarrassed in that moment. When, when this building was getting reordered, we had builders in here all the time and we'd come in here, Lee would film his silly little videos um, and we'd chat to the builders and have a look at what was going on. And I was, it's an easy place to talk to me about Jesus in a church. And I was chatting to two of the builders, big, burly, Geordie blokes. I had to really decipher what they were saying sometimes. But we were having a chat about the gospel and I was sharing the gospel with them and it wasn't really going anywhere. And I thought, Lord, what else can I do now to sort of get this point across? And I thought, oh, I'll pray for them to receive healing. I said, lads, is there anything you need healing with, like any ailments or injuries or anything like that? And they had loads of stuff because they're builders and they're grafting and they got loads of things going on. One of them had a really bad hand other one had a bad knee. And I said, well, you know what, lads? I believe Jesus is alive. I believe he can heal you. I want to pray for you now. Can I, heal? Can I pray for you? They said, yeah, sure. I prayed for both of them. And I thought, Lord, please heal them. I don't want to look stupid, especially not in front of these builders. The last people I want to look stupid in front of is two burly blokes. I want to be accepted by these lads. I want to be part of the alpha male pack. <laughs> I don't want to be rejected. Anyway, I prayed for them. And both of them said, no, nothing's happened. I thought, oh, for goodness sake. And I, I left that conversation feeling a little bit awkward indeed. Another time, me and my friend Ollie, who's training for Rod Nation down south, we were really fired up for the gospel at this, for about a week at one point. And um, we thought, you know what we need to do? We need to go proclaim the gospel on the streets of Newcastle. We were like, yes, let's do it. And we sat in the Green King and we we're reading the Bible together. We've got to do it. We just got to proclaim the gospel. Everyone's going to get saved. Let's go. So we went, we came out and we stood literally right outside there on the concrete benches that are out there. And we got up like, we're going to street preach. And oh my gosh, it is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life was getting up and preaching on the streets. And I got up and I was like, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He gave his one and only son, um, trembling away. Anyway, we did it a few times. Not a single person stopped to speak to us, um, apart from this one lady who was also a Christian, and she came up to us to tell us that actually think she thinks that's not the best way of doing evangelism, um, and maybe you should think about doing it another way. And we were like, oh, thank you very much. And then we did carry on. And then she came up with a couple of packets of crisps, and I think only just to shut us up for a bit so that we'd eat them. 
Um, but it was so embarrassing. I thought, Lord, I'm giving out so much of myself here. There's people walking past that are probably going to know me. I feel so embarrassed. This is so selfless, Lord. If I'm this selfless, you've got to save someone through it. No, nobody did. And I left that day thinking, oh my gosh, I'm not doing that again. And that was terrifying. Um, another time, I was an intern in Bradford. I was 18. So I had that whole sort of like just out of school, fresh fire for Jesus evangelism sort of thing. And me and my mates were like, yeah, let's go on the street and pray for people. And we'd walk up to people with like broken arms or, or had obviously needed healing for something. And one guy was walking along like this. And I thought, gotcha, this guy needs healing. So I went up to him. I said, hi, my name's Joel. Um, I'm a Christian. I believe Jesus is alive and he wants to heal you. Actually, you've got a bad leg. Can I pray for you? He said, there's nothing wrong with my leg. And I was like, no worries, that's fine. I didn't even get around to praying for it, it was awkward. But the reality is this, when we step out on this mission to preach the gospel and to pray for people, there will be people that do not come to know Jesus through it. There will be times when you pray for people and they don't get healed. There will be times when people laugh at you, where they think you're stupid, where they think you're ridiculous. That's the reality of it. And I think we need to get over ourselves a little bit here. But I'm saying this because I think it's important to tell these stories of obedience because it encourages one another. The success is not in the fruitfulness, it's in the obedience, it's in the stepping out. And if we're going to take this Great Commission seriously, we need to encourage one another by sharing these stories of obedience within our church family. So we say, tell the stories of I went to work today and I saw some about Jesus and I didn't want to hear about it. We tell those sorts of stories to one another to encourage each other. I'm going to do it now. Turn to the person next to you and tell one another a story of obedience. Go for it. One minute. Let's wrap those conversations up. If you were one of my youth, I'd be saying, right, come on, listen up. It's not over yet. They have to hear me waffle on most Tuesdays, unfortunately. Okay, well, I've got some stories from our church family. I love being the youth minister here, as I said, and... Um, our young people are amazing. If you didn't know that, they're absolutely amazing. We've got a great set of young people that love Jesus and are way more um, fired up for him and bold for Jesus than I was when I was their age. And they genuinely inspire me. And I don't just say that, I, I actually mean it. And um, there's this thing called Advanced Youth and the organisation called The Message Trust run this, where they train and equip young people to go out to share their faith on the streets. And this um, youth lead was telling me about this. And I thought, gosh, that's an amazing idea. But I can't even imagine young people doing that. I thought, when I was 15, I wouldn't dare. No way would I have the confidence to do that. Um, but he wanted to do it in Newcastle. I said, yeah, fine. And I invited our young people to, to come along to it. And a few of them said, yes. I thought, oh, this is encouraging. 
And um, we did it. We had a, a day of a morning of training in here. Then we went out onto the streets and we approached people. The young people did this themselves and they told them about Jesus. And this is 12-year-olds, 15-year-olds, 17-year-olds going up to people on the streets and telling them about Jesus. Young people in our own church. I was absolutely blown away. The likes of Ellie Kennedy. I don't know if she's here right now. Let's have a round of applause for Ellie anyway. Where is she? Oh, she's at the back. <laughs> going out, sharing the gospel on the streets. David Llewellyn, who's like 12 years old and this small on the microphone, inviting people to come have a slice of pizza so they can hear about Jesus. These young people stepping out in faith in ways I could not imagine doing when I was their age. And I can only just bring myself to do it these days. So it's absolutely amazing. But you know what? When I share the gospel with somebody and they reject it or they say no to it or it gets awkward or whatever, there's one thing that encourages me more than anything else and it's this. There are people who actually met Jesus in his time on earth that said no to following him. They're people that actually met the man. They're people that saw him heal people. There'll be people that saw him raise people from the, gra from the grave to open blind eyes. They saw that and they said no. And the thing is, the weight of saving and healing is not on our shoulders. The weight is to be obedient. That's what we've got to deal with. That's our stuff to step out in. Jesus does the rest. And if it doesn't happen, it's okay. It didn't happen 100% of the time for him either. So it's definitely not going to happen 100% of the time for me. Okay, final point. And if Will would like to come back up, it's this. Jesus is with you. If we're looking back to the passage, verse 20 says this. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I used to think that Jesus was watching me do things for him from afar. Like I'd be cracking on doing some, some mission or whatever, serving him. And I'd always have to look back up to heaven and I'd like catch a glimpse of him. And he would either be like, good job, crack on. Or he'd be like, no, 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 do something else. And I thought it was like this removed relationship. This isn't true at all. Jesus isn't just with us. He's partnering with us in what we're doing. When we take this commission and we go out to share the gospel, to pray for people, to make disciples, to teach his word, he's partnering with us in it. So much so that he's living within us. He's the one doing the work inside of us when we allow him to. And there's a very famous scripture. It's Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. So earlier in this book, and um, it says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm sure many of you know this, but a yoke that Jesus is referring to here is not the middle of an egg. A yoke is a piece of farming equipment um, that they would use to connect two oxen together so that they could go and plough the field together. And what they would do is they would connect an older ox, which had more experience and power and strength, and they would connect it to a younger ox so that that ox could learn from them. And what Jesus is saying here to the disciples, he's saying, come and take my yoke. You've been trying to do this whole missional thing and this whole living thing by yourselves in your own strength. No, 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 that's, I didn't make you to do it like that. Come to me and have rest because you're going to take on my yoke now and we're going to do this together and we're going to do this in my strength, in my power, depending on me. I just need you to come with me on the journey. 
And of course, Jesus is talking about plowing a field here. That's what we go outside the church to do, into the harvest field. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Jesus is saying, as we go out into the harvest field, go in my strength, depend on my power, do it with me. Don't go by yourself. It will not work. You will end up tired. You need to do it with me. The actual work that Jesus does and only he can do is the healing, the salvations and the miracles. He does that bit. We just need to step out. We just need to take this as a commission, not as a suggestion. We need to act on this. We need to tell the stories of obedience to encourage one another. And we need to know that he is with us as we do it. We're going to take a moment to respond to this now. And I'm going to encourage you to just close your eyes. And we're just going to have a moment of silence. And we're just going to reflect on all that we've heard. And we're just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come and challenge and convict us, to come and point us in the right direction. So come Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word that leads us in the way everlasting, that leads us into our purpose. And Lord, we say sorry now for when we've read your word and we've heard your commission and we've chosen to ignore it. Lord, will you forgive us? Lord, we want to be people that take this commission as our purpose, as our duty, as our responsibility. And we pray that through us, Lord, you will reverse the decline of the church in this nation. That you would use us to revitalize a region. That we wouldn't use you as just something to make ourselves feel better. But we would go and share your love and your goodness. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you like to stand with me? And this morning, if you would like to be recommissioned to take this as your own, I'm just going to encourage you to put your hand on your heart. You don't have to, there's no obligation to. And I'm just going to read this scripture over us again as we take this as our own. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always 
to the very end of the age.